Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Tatino, Schmelk, you at 201-939-4513. If you prefer, you can go to Twitter and hashtag Giants Chat. Paul and I will be taking your questions throughout the program. Focus on mini rookie minicamp today, everybody. Um, obviously, the Giants had the rookie minicamp over the weekend. Practices on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The ones on Friday and Saturday were open to us and the media, not on Sunday. So we could talk about that, talk about the guys you liked. Um, obviously, we, there have been some reports in the media today about a veteran on the Giants that might or might not be here. We cannot comment on that, but we could talk about the player if you want. Um, otherwise, it's open. So give us a call, whatever you want to talk about, at 201 939 Four five one three, but Paul, let's start rookie minicamp first, mm-hmm. and I think it's smart to begin with the draft picks because I think that's what everyone is is really probably most concerned with. Sure. And obviously, the star of the show is Saquon Barkley. We knew he was a freak athlete, and everything we saw confirmed what we thought. So I know it might sound boring to people, but to me, nothing really surprised me or took me, you know. Out of a preconceived notion I already had about the kid before rookie minicamp. Yeah, let me say this, John. And, you know, you talk about when the rookies get here, you can't make a first impression, you know, a second time around. And the bottom line is you want to see that the guys are what you thought they were, at least from the get-go. It doesn't mean they're going to turn out to be terrific players. But what it means is you got what you expected when they walked onto campus. The scouting report was correct. Yes, to this point. And that's what I saw with all of these draft picks. Uh, there have been times, I'm not going to lie to you folks, there have been times that I've watched rookie minicamp and I looked at the guy and I said to myself, okay, that doesn't look like it's going to go too well. And wouldn't you know, uh, a lot of times it doesn't. But um, in this case, the entire class does look like they were as advertised. Two things about Barkley that I would say. One, I had never seen him live in person on a field until this weekend. Live in person, me too. Same here. Okay. Saw the tape, saw him on TV. It's not the same as seeing a guy in his cleats on the field. Absolutely. His foot speed and quickness is off the charts. And I have to tell you, for 5'11", 230, it's amazing to see a guy with those kinds of quicks in his feet. Well, he moves like David Wilson. The difference was David Wilson was 5'11 and 200. That's and, the difference. And as I compared David Wilson to David Meggett from years ago in the 80s, right. that's how I'm comparing Saquon Barkley's quicks. But he's 230. And, that, and, that's, and that's why when Dave Gettleman said when we picked him, he's a big guy with small yeah. guy feet. He defies yeah. the laws of physics with his quickness. Right. Okay, that's the one thing that my eyes saw in Barkley that just blows you away when you get an up-close look at him. He's just so bouncy, Paul. Like, he's always on the balls of his feet. He can change direction at a second, and you just see it. It's like he's got springs in his shoes. Which, by the way, doesn't that lend some validity to him wanting to bounce the ball outside as much as he used to? Well, that's the thing. When he gets in space, he's going to have a mismatch every time. Right. But it's also something that you can depend on too much, which is something he has you to can. clean up. And, and he's well, admitted. And by the way, he, and he said that that was one of the first things he said at his draft he's press admitted. conference. And by the way, when I said he was everything I thought he was, I saw him bounce a couple of things he shouldn't have bounced. And he tried to change directions in the backfield of rookie minicamp. So, uh, like you said, you see what you see in games on tape, and you want to see if it's confirmed in person. To me, good, bad, and different, everything was confirmed for yeah. me with him. And then the th- other thing I should point out, the rat running. 
I thought he was very good in space, running out of the backfield. They didn't ask him to do too much stuff down the field. He got he got matched up once on a mismatch. I'm trying to remember who it was with. It was with poor um poor Tay Davis, inside linebacker rookie out of Tennessee Chattanooga. <laughs> that poor kid got matched one on one, and I think he thought Barkley was going to run like one of his little flares to the sideline, yes. but instead he took it upfield. He probably had like a seven yard. I was going to say lead it was about on five him. yards or more. <laughs> it, was it was bad, and he caught yeah. a pass down the field. But I. I I thought his route running was very impressive. He has soft hands, yep. but we knew that already. I didn't see him drop one past the whole camp. No. And then the other thing I was going to say is Pat Shermer had to tell us this because we could not possibly understand this based on us looking from the sidelines. Shermer said they threw a lot at, at the running backs, yeah. especially Barkley, about blitz pickups and pass protection in terms of playbook stuff. And they went out there, and apparently he picked that stuff up uh, much to their happiness above and beyond what they thought he would. So that's that's only something coach would know. We couldn't know that, but that's what Shermer said. Right, and look, and, and guys, we're not trying to dodge here on the next group of players, but the fact of the matter is with the limited amount of contact you can have with no pads, you can only see so much. Yeah. And that goes for the Giants' second, third round picks, two third round picks and the one second round pick. Um, and even their fifth-round pick, R.J. McIntosh, he wasn't out there because of a medical condition. Um, you have Will Hernandez, who obviously the only reason you draft him is because he's good at hitting people. I mean, that's why you drafted him, because he can beat the crap out of people. And he's a big man. Yes, and that's why you draft <laughs> B.J. Hill, because he can beat the crap out of people. And neither one of those guys were allowed to beat the you-know-what out of anybody over the course of three days. But uh, from what little we could see, you could see when Hernandez has the pad drills, he has some power in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Hill's get-off is pretty good. He had, he had pretty violent hands, on again, on some of the dummy drills, but what does that really tell you? So uh, I'll leave Carter for last, but I think there is some stuff on him we could talk about. But for those two, great. I'll see you in August when they get pads on and we can see him be football players. The only things that we could see from, from those guys, um, there's no question that Hill has overall athleticism and quickness. He looks like a defensive tackle out there. and And yet... He, 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 again, moves quicker and faster than he's supposed to. When you watch the drills over by the uh, the back of the field house, the Giants have the dummy sled set up, okay? And they were practicing the getting off at the snap and then working against the dummies. And it was amazing, although it shouldn't be, because let's face it, the other guys in his group were mostly undrafted rookie free agents yes, and tryouts. Yes. But he made them look like... They were practicing in cement. And, you know, I'll say because this too. Because he was so quick. And he played a lot of one technique in college, B.J. Hill. He played mostly, you know, shading the center in between the center and the guard or shading the guard um, towards the center. He physically, and the way he moved, to me, he looked more like a three technique or a five technique defensive end in a three four than he did a nose tackle to me. I told, I told you draft night, I think he's a defensive end in a three four scheme. That's that's how I see him in the pros. I happen based on what I saw in person. I don't disagree with you. That's just the way it looked, and I think the evidence from this past weekend does indicate that as well. Yeah, I mean, I would be more than happy to go to war week one against. Um, with the playing week one again. Jacksonville. It's not Dallas. Jacksonville, thank you. I'm just used to being Dallas. I forget who it is. Um, <laughs> That's week two. Well, but okay, well, it's, it, <laughs> it still counts, by the way. There's two great running games. I'm, I feel very good going into week one, and you're throwing down Snacks Harrison, Dalvin Tomlinson, and B.J. Hill as your three-down lineman in the base against Leonard Fournette. I'm good with that. Let's rock and roll. And uh, Hernandez, 
You're right, John. Can't see much other than the punch drills against the cushions and the, the held-up pads that the guys have. But I will say this also. When they asked him to do his sets, it looked like his feet were pretty quick. Yeah, sure. Did, did, did you see the one play where he tried to get in front of Barkley on a screen? I did not see that one. Yes, there was I one play screened out. where he got out, on, got out in front of Barkley on a screen, and unfortunately he got so anxious about trying to get somebody, he overran the block uh-huh. and he tried to turn and try to grab the guy. It was pretty funny. Okay. He was just very excited to get it, but yeah. you're right, he moved well. My point he does move play, well. For a big man. He moves pretty well. He isn't, let me put it this way, he moves a lot better than DJ Fluker did. No question. Space. No question. Now, I, Fluker, I think, was probably a little bit bigger than Hernandez was. but About 10 pounds. Yeah. And I think Hernandez might be a little bit taller than DJ was. Or are they about the same? No, I think I think DJ might have had him by a half an inch you think? or so. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do. B- bottom line, he moves pretty well for a big fellow, which is another thing Dave Gettleman said to Presser. Younger, healthier, yeah. more athletic. Healthier, which, big one. Which we mm-hmm. talked about going into the draft. Sure. And that's what Hernandez will bring to the table. So that's all I got on him. And then finally, the guy that probably we saw the most of uh, was Kyle Oletta because obviously— Well, Carter, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot Lorenzo Carter. I'm yeah. sorry. I said I'll get to later. Hit, but and, we saw. And then I skipped him. Um, yeah. So he's a guy, and it's funny, watching him on the field. And, you know, I talked a lot about when they drafted him. I saw him as really as a pass rusher, and Dave Gettleman kind of confirmed that. And, you know, he was asked to do, as you liked, as you pointed out, he was asked to do a lot more Georgia in terms of running around and doing yeah. more linebacker stuff. You see his body type. He's a pass rusher. He does not look – he looks like Matthias Kiyonuka except a couple inches smaller. Right. He doesn't look like a linebacker. He looks like a pass rusher. And I think he's going to be a 3-4 pass rusher. And frankly, on sub packages, I don't think he needs to even put weight on. Like on a third and eight, I don't need him to be 260 pounds rushing off the edge. Stay at 252. I'm fine with that. Go to town. Use your speed. Break the edge. Yeah. Now, I didn't see a lot of pass rushing moves, and I think that's part of the development. Yes. But he certainly has the lo- the arm length, the body type, and-, and that sort of speed off the edge, I think, to be effective in that way. Actually, what was wild about it, because the Giants did indicate when they drafted him, they wanted him to concentrate on being primarily a pass rusher, how the first day of the rookie minicamp, they had him in a lot of one-on-one coverages. And Shermer right. actually applauded his his uh, efforts in that regard. Well, so, yeah. you know, God bless, because then Pat was also asked... Uh, do you think he could be a three-down linebacker? And Shermer would not rule that out. Well, he seems very excited about this play. Remember, though, you could be a three-down linebacker and still be a pass rusher on third down. Yes, you can be. <laughs> and that might be the trick. Yes, you can be. And, and here's the thing. But and, you know what? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being able to leave him on the field. Yeah, true. And it's funny. During drills, I wasn't watching him during drills day one. I kind of did the offensive players okay. day one then the defensive players day two. Just because you can't watch everybody at the same time. No, you can't. So, and in day two... He wasn't doing linebacker drills. No. He was doing defensive line Correct. drills. Correct. So it just shows you, and I bet you he'll be one of those guys with Vernon and Moss that are with the linebackers on Wednesday and Thursday, but then when they do third down on Friday, he'll go into the meeting with Gary Emanuel in the past. Kareem years. Martin might be in that same class. No, he absolutely will be. No question. You know? No, he will be. Absolutely. So, Agree 100%. You know, I, I think James Betcher has a lot of toys. I really do. You know, I, I don't I know like about he, depth at some spots, but he's got toys. I feel like he has more versatility going from linebacker to D end, yes. or more than he has going from safety to linebacker, like Agreed. he had in Arizona. Agree. I think the secondary versatility isn't quite there yet, but you do have some good versatility much from, depth from some of your edge guys. Well, yeah, not as much depth in the they, secondary. They're throwing a lot of guys at the problem. And they're going to hope somebody emerges and and is a solution. Now, the final guy we should talk about yes. is the guy we saw the most of, and that's because in these mini camps of no contact. You know, the quarterback completing the ball to the wide receiver is really the, you know, the the most exciting thing and the thing you can kind of get the, you know, best feel for as you move forward. So 
to me, Paul, I thought he started the first day, I think, four for four and a couple of deep passes. Then you could tell maybe he wasn't quite on the same page as some of the wide receivers and some of his passes maybe weren't timed properly or overthrown. He didn't really underthrow many things. He kind of overthrew most stuff when he was off. I thought he was doing the stuff more over the top than he did short. Um, he was wide, too, a few times. Yeah, well, leading a guy too much. So yeah. by, by that, I mean overthrowing and throwing it too far yeah. you know, uh, to lead the guy, whether it's across the field or deep. Better the first day than the second day. Yeah, I would say that. So, you know, I thought he was fine. I'm not going to get a lot out of a quarterback throwing a guy he's never thrown to before. I think it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was okay. I thought he threw a nice spiral. I didn't see arm strength as an issue. Maybe he was a little bit late on a couple balls outside the numbers when that turned into a pick. But he was fine. I, and he looked like the guy that I saw on tape, too. Nothing about him really surprised me. The way I go into this, John, um, remember when you were in college and you took a course that was a pass-fail course? Yeah. They didn't give you A, B, C, D, F grades. I never got any of those. Okay, I never did either. But, you know, there's a pass-fail grading system for some of these courses. That's the way I look at it with with a guy like Loletta who comes into camp. He, to me, just has to look like he belongs. Yeah, he was fine. Has to be confident, has to run the plays they're asking him to run, has to look like he knows what he's doing, don't look like a deer in headlights, don't panic. Don't be all over the place with your throws. Throw a nice ball. And you know what? You're right. These receivers, look at the level of receiver we're talking about. They probably, it's a long shot, even if they're able to remember a handful of plays, they probably don't remember too many of them by the time they get out onto the field. And so plays that look like they're on the quarterback misthrowing the ball or, or throwing an error, there's a chance, John, that we have no idea that the guy no cut his eight-yard yeah. route at 12. And yeah, no yeah. wonder it looked like it was so awful. So I really hesitate to say how accurate he was or wasn't. But what I will say is he got a passing grade from me. If you want to call yeah, it a pass-fail sure. weekend, he passed. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple of throws where I thought maybe I was surprised that he wasn't more on the butt with some of the stuff. But again, we don't know what the receivers are Don't know what the do, round so was. It's hard to tell. All right, besides the draft picks, Paul, real quick, anybody of the undrafted variety kind of uh, catch your eye here that were tryout guys or undrafted already signed free agents that you like? Well, uh, the one guy of the of the undrafted uh, rookie free agents who actually has been signed uh, to a, a Giants uh, contract to, to make it to the 90 is Nick Gates. He's the offensive lineman out of Nebraska, played left tackle and right tackle. He is my dark horse undrafted rookie free agent to at least make the practice squad, if not the 53. 53 is going to be tough. Going to be tough yeah. because I see him as a guard. And he worked out a lot at guard over the weekend. He was a left tackle and a right tackle at Nebraska. Now, he's rather small. He's only about 6'2", 3'10", maybe, max, and that's after lunch. Uh, he's a tad small, but I love his fundamentals. Yeah, 6'5", 307 is his official. Listen to him at 6'5". He doesn't six, look 6'5". 6'5", 307. That's what they have on the old roster. Here. Okay. Now, I will tell you, I did a lot of film work on him when I heard he was going to come in. Mm-hmm. And what I saw in the film work was a guy who's fundamentally sound, who does a pretty good job of walling off defenders, but does have some trouble with lateral movement and playing in space, which means for me... He's going to have trouble playing tackle in the league. But I do think that if you put him in the phone booth at guard, I think he could be a very effective guard. His technique is really good. And I don't know that there was more than once the entire weekend that we were allowed to watch that they corrected him when the coaches were watching him doing his drills. So Nick Gates, 
who an offensive lineman from Nebraska. He's my dark horse undrafted rookie free agent. I think he's at least practice squad, if not 53. The problem is they got a lot of guards right. on the regular roster. Three guys that I liked that kind of just jumped out at me a little bit, and I know he was. He's not physically impressive. He's just 5'11", 183 pounds, so he's probably not going to make it. But I thought uh, number 17, William Watson, made some really nice catches. Uh-huh. Both over his shoulder, kind of adjusted in the air again. He's not... You know, he's 5'11", 180. You have to be pretty dynamic, athletic yeah. to make a team at that height and weight. He was, he's, he's out of Canada. But I thought he showed wide receiver skills. I'm just not sure physically uh, he has it in him. One guy that I thought was interesting is um, one of the guys that's been in the league for a couple of years that was a tryout player. Oral Okine, number 81, white, 6'6", 290. Kind of look like Chris Canty out there. Yes. And he got to the quarterback a couple times. I'm just not sure what his position is. I guess he would kind of be a five technique type of player the same way Chris Canty kind of did it. I'm just not sure what his position was, but I thought his physical attributes kind of He looks stuck the part. Out yeah. <laughs> and you saw him make a couple plays. So that was one guy that jumped out. Yeah. And then and, and maybe I was only looking because of the Giants and the move they made with Paul Perkins last week, letting him go with right. the injury. Um I, on the uh, non-football injury list, uh, Robert Martin, the kid out of Rutgers, the running back, I thought he was kind of poppy and jumpy, and I thought he had a little bit of burst yeah. coming in through the hole a little bit. I, I, I would agree with so, that. So th- those are three guys that I kind of just like, yeah, hey, you know what? Intriguing. And I know some of the, some of the writers were high on uh, Haley, the uh, cornerback out of Penn State. I did not watch him a lot. I did, I but here's my problem. Now, let me just take a look at this for one second. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. 5'9", 190. Uh, Grant Haley. Now, now he's on the roster, by the way. He was a he was assigned. Oh, he's assigned. He's a, yeah. he's a signed free agent. He's mm-hmm. not an undrafted rookie tryout. He's assigned. Um, they were they were high. Yes, he did make some plays. He did anticipate well. But again, here's the problem, John. You're not talking about you know accomplished pro quarterbacks throwing those passes. You're yeah. not talking about accomplished pro receivers running those routes. And that's the real trick. And that's the trick. Yeah. Now, did did he do well? defending uh, inexperienced quarterbacks and receivers who probably don't know exactly what it is that they're running? Yeah. Yes, he did. Oh, corn to William Watson, he's good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. At 5'9", right. to me, he's going to go head-to-head against Dante Dion to try yeah, to, to make the backup slot corner spot on the 53. And, Paul, here's the thing. We and I'm a big Dante Dion guy. And no one's bigger than Dion, but, Paul, we saw it. Like, Paul, Dante Dion looked great in training camp. What happened when we got into the preseason games last year? When they matched him up against bigger guys. They put the bullseye on him, and he you didn't know, chance. It's going to be an issue. Yeah. And and Haley's going to have the same problem, and I, I get it. He played at Penn State. He made a lot of plays there. Again, that's college. This is the NFL. Um, but he'll have a shot. I, I, I could see him mm-hmm. being a practice squad guy. You know, and and you know what? If he does beat out Dante Dion, and again, I'm a Dion guy. If he beats out Dante Dion, more power to him. But that's two guys for one spot because you're not going to keep more than one five nine guy in your secondary. It's not going to happen. No. Despite Lance Meadow wanting them to, they will not. <laughs> always the champion of the short guy. Trinden Holiday was always his favorite. Yeah, he was probably what five six. Trinden. Oh my goodness, he was tiny. Yeah. Yeah, with 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 cleats on. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. You ready for calls? Let's go. All right, let's do calls, folks. And then hashtag Giants chat. Paul and I will keep an eye on that. We'll try to get to it uh, throughout the show and for the rest of the offseason. We're trying to make that a focus here to make sure we get to some of your tweets if you have any questions. So, uh, Julian, Florida. I'm assuming Dave was up first. We'll go to him first. What's up, Julian? How are you? Hey guys, how are you? 
Um, I almost called you Lance again, John. I, I swear you guys just wow. <laughs> here's wow. the here's the deal. If you listen and you think I'm Lance, I'm okay. If you're watching and think I'm I Lance, know, I know. then I got a beef. <laughs> Who did you say, Carol Follow from uh, from NFL Network? Yep. That's always saying that you sound like Lance. Always. Always. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I just wanted to touch on a couple things from the 2017 season. Um, and, you know, just kind of get your perspective on it. Who do you think from that we've cut from 2017 that kind of didn't make sense to you? If we, if I, if we as Giants fans can kind of pick your brain a little bit about it. Who are we surprised like, uh, from the guys that are on the roster now but were – that aren't on the roster now but were at the end of last year? Yeah. Um, I, I thought maybe Darkwa had a chance to come back, but again, they didn't release him. He's a guy that was a free agent, but of course, he announced he had that off-season surgery injury situation too. Uh, I always liked Orleans too, so I'm a little biased. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he, he's a really good guy and a good special teamer, and I thought he did the best he could behind a really rough offensive line last year. Um, I think me and Paul were both a little bit surprised that they cut Dominic Rogers Camardi, but you're never too shocked. When it's a guy that's over 30 and he makes a lot of money, that tends to happen in the NFL. I don't think anybody else really jumps out to me, Paul. How about you? Well, the medical influences the Darkwood decision. The medical influences the DJ Fluker decision. And Brandon Marshall. And the Brandon Marshall decision. And when you consider the medical, you understand why those things were done. So as much as I, I like those guys as people and as players... Fluker was so surprised. The, you, well, when I found out... Uh, the medical was a consideration. You understood. He had a, he had a shoulder. He had a knee. He had a foot. You know, it it made sense. You know, um, here's the for me, it's DRC because I thought that even with the numbers being juggled with him, it's clear that they asked him to come back. They had a new role for him, or should I say, a lot of what he was doing last year in the Betcher scheme. And and he didn't want to deal with that, and he decided that that was going to be enough, and you know, he wanted to go shop his wares elsewhere. So I guess that one that one's the one that that surprises me the most. And quite frankly, uh, he's still out there. I would love to see him or the Giants have a phone conversation, and I think DRC would be a tremendous asset for this team should he be able to find his way back onto the roster, and they should come to some kind of terms. I, I think they could do a lot worse than having him, especially with the lack of depth in this secondary. Yeah, so that that, that kind of leads to my uh, next question. Has that ever happened in your experience, guys, in the NFL, where we cut somebody? It's been a couple months since they found somewhere. Well, it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah, it does happen sometimes. Sure it does. Okay. Sure it does. Sure it does. It's It's not unprecedented at all. Gotcha, because that's my hope. I mean, that's, that that just led to my whole conversation, man. I, I think I, I, you guys hit the nail on the head. I think if we had DRC in that depth, it would just help. I mean, the defense is looking better and better as we go, but I mean, just having DRC in that, in that secondary would just feel – we feel so much more secure. I mean, and, he did his thing. Yeah. It would improve two spots because you'd put him back into the three-corner rotation and then William Gay becomes the fourth corner, which improves right. that spot. And you also have insurance in case Eli Apple you know, should not get his game back on track. And I'll, I'll say this too, Julian, because I've seen people make a big deal about this you know, on, on Twitter also. 
that they're like, oh, well, DRC was the best cover quarter the Giants had last year. He has slipped. He's not the same guy he was three or four years ago. He has trouble staying on the field for 100% of the plays with his various health elements that have been an issue over the course of the year. Uh, he had the problem in the locker room halfway through the year last year, where obviously you had the suspension. So there are, you know, there are things, Paul, that uh, he's not the same player he was when the Giants signed him. He's older, he's not as durable, and he's not as good of a cover guy, and that's why he was doing more safety stuff last year than corner stuff. Still right. a guy who they wanted to have back, though. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. No, again, I'm not saying he's. They didn't want him back. I'm just saying he's not the same DRC that he was when they when they brought him there. Like he's not a Pro Bowl level co- cover corner anymore. Understood. Not on a consistent gotcha. basis, no. play in and play out for 16 weeks. Correct. That's what I'm saying. But he's still a good player. No, I'm, I didn't say he wasn't. <laughs> didn't say he wasn't. No, you didn't. You know, it led me to this question, guys. I was eating. Uh, just a really short story, and I'll let you guys go. I was eating breakfast at um at this place. It's called. Uh, first watch i'm here in florida hollywood florida and i'm sitting there and there's there's a table called the community table where anyone can sit you don't have to wait you just sit at that table and everyone just kind of sits next to you and you mind your own business and eat and there's this couple sitting in front of me and they're just kind of arguing and i'm you know whatever i'm just minding my own business eating and then she keeps saying ross i don't know why you do this ross i don't know why you do that and i'm like ross huh and i look up and i'm like this guy looks so familiar and I just kept eating and whatever, and I go on my Giants app, and I'm reading your guys' articles, and then the girl goes, oh, look, he's a Giants fan. And I go, what? And I look up, and he goes, he used to play for the Giants. I go, oh, Ross Cockrell? He goes, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking Aaron Ross. <laughs> yeah, but Aaron Ross is in Texas. That's why I figured it wasn't. Yeah, okay. That's how it was okay. No, his first name was Ross. So I was like, there oh, you go. he must be Ross Cockrell. He chopped off his whole head, so he doesn't even look the same. No, but yeah, anyway. yeah no, it's funny. If Ross Cockrell actually, he he had like the, 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 like the king of the froze at the end of at, at like week 14 last year. He That guy had yeah. more hair than anybody I've ever seen. But he shaved it all off in like week 15. So... That's why he looked a lot different, I'm sure. He was a good find for them last Where year. And, and you know again? what? He wound up uh, going to Carolina. Carolina, okay. You know what? We should add him to that list because there's a guy that is a good one. who actually That's a good performed one. well, did a solid job, but then got a nice financial offer from the Panthers. He earned it. And, and – and that's exactly it. And apparently, you know, it was a little too rich for, for what they were thinking about here. And, and so he, he got a good deal uh, out of Carolina. But uh, he was one of their better consistent defensive performers last season. All right, let's go to Amin in Brooklyn. He's on line one. What's going on, Amin? How are you? How you doing, John? Paul, how's everything? Hey, what's, what's going, going on? on? Hey, that, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the Saquon Barkley draft. And, um, you know, this guy is just electrifying, man. And, you know, I'll never forget the day, man, before the Internet. We were playing games at my friend's house. He goes to this, uh, I don't know if you remember the days that had the video stores and they had the NFL film oh, videos. Course. You plug them in the VCR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he shows me this video, and I see this guy, Barry Sanders, and, I mean, he's just embarrassing people, you know. I mean, he would go, like, one side of the field, come back. The linemen are getting up. Uh, they couldn't believe he's going back the other way. <laughs> yeah. The you best know, jump cut in I'm, NFL I'm history. Excited. Oh yeah, I mean, I think he's a lot like him, and you know, you better you know respect this guy, you know, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be great for the Giants, and I think that you know it's gonna put a lot of pressure on these defenses. This guy, I mean, he he will just embarrass you if you don't account for him. And uh, true, but what do you I mean, about him and, uh-huh. I don't mean I would just say remember this too. The running back needs help. He can't do it on his own. So he's relying on the offensive line to block for him. And remember, he had a ton of negative runs at Penn State. 
because of issues like that. So, you know, I think, what do you have, four 100-yard yard games as mm-hmm. in his final year at Penn State, something like that? So it's not like he was getting, like, 100 yards every game. So a guy like Barkley does need help. He can't do everything on his own. Barry Sanders was the same way. Well, yep. Barry Sanders was also the most talented runner of the football that I've seen in my entire life. I'm not willing to make turn Saquon Barkley into Barry Sanders yet. No, but his point being the Lions did not have a dominant offensive line. They, they had better lines than people yeah. thought. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he at would times. Just, I mean, he would make highlight reels out of people. I mean, he sure, would just but again, let's not call Saquon Barkley Barry Sanders yet. You know, he hasn't shown it. Part of what we keep saying uh, is, is that the offensive line has to be productive for a guy to have room to operate. It's not just the offensive line. It's the fullback if there is and a fullback. And it's the tight ends. Sure. And, and what I was told... And, again, you do see it then when you go back and you look at the tape again. You realize that the Penn State tight ends, they, they were using Gusecki as a receiver oh, yeah, he was all a the receiver, time. Sure. He wasn't a tight end. So you had a suspect offensive line that was not getting any blocking help from the tight end position at all. Is it any wonder that, that Barkley had to go through some you know hurdles to do what he did? So I understand. Literally and figuratively, he was a hell of a hurdler. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But let me, let me ask you this, guys. Um. Was Barry Sanders any good between the tackles or even receiving like Barkley? Barry Sanders used to have more zero and negative yardage runs than any star in the league when when he was in his prime. It was incredible because he would go like for one, zero, minus two, minus three, then 45, 15, 30. Minus two, minus one, zero. And I mean, this is why. I mean, this is you why know? in the nineties, the the always the debate, Paul, was who was a better player, Emmitt Smith or Barry Sanders? Yes, right? that, that was a hot and yeah. hot topic. And my answer was always this: as a runner of the football, Barry Sanders was a better player. But Emmitt Smith was a better pass protector. He was a better receiver. He was used in goal line when Barry Sanders wasn't, and he was more consistent. Than Barry well, Sanders was, so that was how the two guys were maybe a little bit different. Because Barry was taken out of goal line; he wasn't even in the game on goal line. And a lot of the times, he, he Emmett always caught more passes than he did. And the Lions were a passing offense, so it was two very different players. But that was always the big debate. The, the appropriate verbiage for me was always Sanders was the more dynamic runner, Emmett Smith was the better running back. Yes, I think that's the perfect way to put and it. That's the way I always, and I think that's the great way to put it. All right. Well, I, I just think this guy is is the real deal. I mean, I wouldn't say he's as agile as Barry Sanders, but he's coming out of the backfield. I mean, he's just embarrassing these defenders. And you know, I just want to say thanks. I love your show. Thank you, Amin. Thank you. Forward to hearing it every week, every day. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, thank you for being a loyal listener, watcher. We appreciate that. I just and, and now Giant fans are mad at me now online because they think I'm like. You know me. Sometimes I, I I like to level people off. When they're too down, I try to bring them up. When they're too up, I try to bring them down. No, but there's I don't want to call Barry Sanders. He hasn't even played a preseason no, game yet. No, no, and <laughs> I'm I, sorry. And I, don't, and I don't think most people are comparing him to him. I, I'm no, hearing more no. Marshall Falk, Thurman Thomas, Roger Craig. But I think there's he, nothing wrong with that. But I will say this: I think what it mean does hit his running style, and I'm talking just running style. I'm not talking about everything mm-hmm. else that he does. Mm-hmm. Running style, it does remind me of Barry Sanders. The jump cuts, to try to make a big play out of not going up the middle. Doesn't really put his head down yeah. to get dirty yards. Yeah, I understand. I think he has that mentality. I which understand is, that. Which is kind of weird because we've talked about this for the last three months. You know, Barry Sanders was what? 190, what, like 202, 203? Yeah, he, well, he wasn't, he wasn't very big. And he wasn't very thick either. No, he wasn't. And Barkley is. Barkley's they, legs. Well, so is Barry. He's got Joe. He's remember, got Joe Morris's legs. Do you remember Barry Sanders' legs? Remember when guys used to try to tackle him? They used to just slide off? 
So in that way, they're similar, but I do think Barkley has the potential to be a more complete back, but probably not as elusive or dynamic of a runner. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? But yeah. I mean, I mean, Barry Sanders is the all-time. Well, I've never again, seen him run the ball like him. The greatest jump cut in the history of the National Football right. League, bar none. Like, like I was having a debate, and you saw it on Twitter last week. Yeah, the guy was going back and forth. He said, "Oh, I can't believe you don't think Saquon Barkley of twenty five hundred total scrimmage you're, yards." You're too young to remember, but Gale Sayers. Oh, I remember videos of him. Gale Sayers kickoff was returner inc- too. Yes, mm-hmm. incredibly elusive, and because his career was shortened by guy injury. A lot of people don't necessarily put him in that elite right. category when they talk about backs. Right. However, he's in the Hall of Fame. And when you consider the number of healthy years he had, for him to make the Hall of Fame, that tells you by definition he had to be incredible. Right. And the point I was making is that this guy on Twitter, and he's one of my good he's been following me for like probably since I've been on Twitter. He's a good follower. He's a good fan. And he could not understand why I wouldn't agree with him that is prediction of Saquon Barkley having 2,500 scrimmage yards. Yeah, and that I, was, and, and I was I went, asking a lot. And I went back in history, and I tried, I tried to explain to him that only one player in NFL history right. has had more than 2,500 scrimmage yards in, in a season. Chris Johnson, when he rushed for 2,000 yards, by the way, and he 2,509. And all I was trying to tell him was that I don't think Saquon Barkley of the most individual productive season of any skill position player in history yeah. as a rookie. I didn't think I was going that far. No. And then he started getting annoyed at me like, oh, well, did you think one of the quarterbacks was going to be better? I'm like, that's not the point I'm making. Barkley can be great and at the same time not have 2,500 scrimmage yards. I mean, it's I, – I went back. I looked at the numbers. It will be on cover three today. If he gets, I think, to 1,850, I think, he will have more scrimmage yards in an individual season than any player in Giants history not named Tiki Barber. I think Joe Morris, Tiki, I think, is three 2,000-yard scrimmage seasons. Right. Maybe one 1,900 one, and then Joe Morris, I think, is next at like 1,780 maybe or something like that. And I think he could finish and ahead Joe, of Morris. Joe didn't do it in the receiving game very much. It was mostly running. And that was 86 when he did it. So I thought, and my, my bold prediction for Barkley was that I think he's going to finish up more than Morris. And that's more than 1,800. I thought that was a pretty nice number, but. That's, you know what was interesting? Not for some people. Chris Sims on Pro Football Talk this morning was asked about Barkley and said he could see him being a 1,000-yard rusher, catching anywhere between 60 and 80 passes yeah. for between 600 and 700 yards. That's where we had it which, exactly. Which, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's reasonable to me. Right. And that's still going to be an, a, a Pro Bowl season in all right. likelihood. But I'll tell you what. If Saquon Barkley should somehow have 2,300 yards from scrimmage, then chances are Shepard Ingram or Beckham will probably hurt most of the year and not playing. And that was my other point. And that would be bad. You want to get the ball around. I mean, you figure Odell's going to have at least 1,300 receiving yards, right, give or take? <laughs> you darn well better hope so. Yeah. So how many yards is this offense going to create? Like 6,000? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to uh, Scott in New Mexico. He's been holding the longest. What's up, Scott? How are you, buddy? Good morning, guys. Well, it's good morning for me. Anyway. Hello. Uh, uh, in deference to you, Paul, I had the pleasure of meeting Gail Sayers when he worked at Southern Illinois University. Oh, nice. Awesome. And uh, he does remind me a lot of uh, – in fact, I had the pleasure of talking to him. And one of the things that was interesting, he said – and I asked him, well, what – you think made you such a great back and his answer was interesting he said every time i touched the ball i thought i was going to score 
Mm-hmm. And I think Saquon Barkley shares that same kind of he seems to. operandi. In fact, he actually said that's a weakness of his, that sometimes you, you can't right. have that mentality. Right. Right, but uh, Gail was a really impressive man. Oh, he was uh, awesome. I think the analogy to him is actually a good one. Yeah. But my questions have to do with uh, Kyle Aletta. I know he seems to be the, the, I guess for lack of a better word, the media darling. And he hasn't even, obviously, been in the game. But uh, my question is this. uh, The Giants, should they go, and I hope this doesn't happen, they have a gruesome schedule. Yeah. And I know the whole thing this year is to win now. Yes. So if for some reason the Giants say go 0-3 and Eli doesn't play specifically well, no. and one of those two quarterbacks, no, no, no. it won't happen. In other words, they no. won't. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I know, Scott, I'm assuming you're asking, would they ever put one of those guys in for Eli Manning? Is Correct. No, they will not. That will not happen until the Giants are mathematically eliminated from making the playoffs and or maybe he, not he gets even hurt. then. Or he gets hurt. It will not ha- in my opinion, it will not happen before then. I would agree with okay. that. I would be very, 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 very surprised if it happens. Yes. Oh, the only reason I ask the question is because I know there's been an emphasis on win now, and I don't know, have the Giants ever gone, say, 0-3 and made it into the playoffs in their history? 0-3? Maybe once. I think 0-4 was a number where it got to zero. Unfortunately, we've had to look at those stats a lot the last few yeah, years. Okay. I, but I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember either. It's not something that I really would like to chew on, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the other question I have uh, is on the offensive line. I still don't think they've addressed I, – I, I listened to the conversation earlier about Gates, and I still don't think they've addressed the issue. I know they have uh, Bisnowani and Wheeler, but I don't even think either of those guys may even make the roster. I think Wheeler's going to be on the 53. The question is, uh, is he competing for the starting job at right tackle, right. or is he the number three tackle? And the other piece right. of news from rookie minicamp, too, Scott, was that Biznavati was working at a guard. He wasn't even working at a tackle. Yeah, which leads oh, you to okay. lead you to suspect that they're not necessarily looking at him at tackle because usually what happens Correct. when you bring a young guy in and he's a tackle – they try him there. If they don't like what they see, or in this case, the, they don't like the tape of what they saw, then you try him at guard. And if you don't like what you saw at guard, then usually that guy isn't on the roster very long. Okay. Uh, so where does the if the worst case scenario plays out, and I'm hoping this doesn't happen, where does the right guard really come from? Is it going to be Flowers, or do you think they'll make a trade? Or because right I just don't guard? have confidence in the people that are there now. You see, guard and or I, and tackle? I can take this question off the line, guys. No, no, you meant right guard or tackle? You meant tackle. tackle. Yeah. D- well, Thanks, Scott. Eric Flowers is on the roster, and and at some point in time, I'm sure we will hear from him. And he's the most physically gifted right tackle on the roster. He has, at the moment, the most accomplished resume at the position. That all, and most experience. So, until somebody tells me otherwise, I would believe he still has a, a leg up on being the starting right tackle on this football and team. And as Pat Shermer did mention again during rookie minicamp, he liked some of the things he did last year. And look... Guys, let me put an underline under this. We're not telling you he played great. We're not telling you he was an above-average tackle. We're just telling you he was a little bit better than he was the year before. Yeah, That's all we're saying. And by the way, let me just make something clear. 13 penalties called against him the year before, only six called against him last year. So he cut his penalties in half. Now, penalties are a good indication of a guy who's not playing well because when he gets sloppy, he usually commits more penalties. Or if he gets beat, he's trying to save his quarterback Correct. and he grabs him. So the fact that he cut his penalties in half... Is a very good sign. Well, wasn't there a stat midway through the year 
where he went like eight straight games without allowing John, the pressure or John, something like that. John, funny you mention that because I have all this information on my on my uh, on my my laptop. I keep all this stuff through my film study. I had him giving up. I believe it was one sack from weeks three through fifteen. Okay. Now again, sometimes sacks are a matter of luck. If you like, they're subjective. The quickly, they're subjective. Things like pressure and stuff like that. And Pro Football Focus did not have him graded well last year. And we're not trying to tell you he played well. We're just trying to tell you that he was to some improve, some level better than he was the year before. Yeah, because, you know, all this stuff is subjective. Now, I graded him out. Let's see. I'm sorry. Let me go through this now. Uh, He gave up, uh, where is my flowers? Flowers from week three against Philadelphia through week 16 against Arizona. Because, remember, he didn't play against the Redskins. He gave up only one sack, and that was to Junior Gallette who beat him off the edge and forced a fumble. It was a four-man rush against the Redskins on November the 23rd. Okay? Gave up four sacks the first two weeks of the season. Gave up one sack the rest of the way, according to my film work and calculations. And so, you know what? I get it. That doesn't include pressures Mm -hmm. or hurries. Which matter. Or quarterback hits, which are all part of a player's overall grade. So I'm not I'm not giving you that because only the coaches can give you that, and they're not going to. But just in the most simplest of forms, you look at the sacks, okay? I had him giving up only five. And the Giants gave up, what, 34 sacks last year. And he was only responsible, according to my numbers, for five of them. Yeah. No, he well, played, guess what? He That's better. not bad. And the fact is, he cut his penalties down to six. That's not bad. He was better. Does he have to get better? Yes, but he was better. And anybody who denies that either has their eyes closed or simply does not want to admit what the facts are. And I can just, and this is, again, this is a third party. This is pro football focus. This is how they had him graded. Uh, they had him graded basically, by the way, the same exact grade they gave Lael Collins from Dallas. Okay? Just, just well, people FYI, have a much better impression of. Which is why I wanted to put that out there. Now, Collins is a right tackle. Flowers is a left tackle. Um, they don't have a. They actually don't have the ranked numbers here, but he's definitely in the lower quarter of the league, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but some guys that are behind him. Remember, everyone. Uh, let's see, Joe Barksdale. People know him. Um, Greg Robinson behind him. Marshall Newhouse was behind him. Riley Reef. They had graded lower than Flowers. Did they? Mm-hmm. How about that? Donovan Smith, who's a starting left tackle for Tampa. Matt Khalil, the starting left tackle for Carolina. Uh, Bobby Hart, who's no longer with the Giants. And, by the way, a lot of people who loved him last year, you know they had Cam Robinson graded as the second-worst starting uh, tackle in the league? Did he really, according to them? Again, this is what – and again, but they, I, that's again, why I'm so much against the analytics in a box. And, again, I'm not telling you that this is fact. I'm telling you this is pro football focuses analysis. And to right. your point, Paul, pro football focus had Flowers giving up four sacks in the first two weeks – Okay. Which I did. And then from week three to week 11, they had him giving up zero. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then they had him responsible for one against Washington and one against Oakland in week 12 and 13. I did not I did not grade him no, but, in the Oakland game. I but, did not have that as a But again, my point that is, is that it's similar. Yes. You're out to have one thing different. They're, That's they're, not a big deal. Right. Their and numbers in, are very close to mine. And in terms of quarterback hits, okay? This is quarterback hits allowed. Right. That, that I do not keep. They had him giving up eight quarterback hits the whole year, and between weeks four and week 11, only allowing two when the Giants played the Seattle Seahawks. So, again, it's an improvement. 
is he where you want him to be, where you're confident him as a right tackle starter where he hasn't played before? No, you want him to show you more, but there was a modicum of improvement last year. Now, here's the one thing that we can all agree on, because these numbers certainly don't lie, and you can look at them in a box. The Giants rushing the ball around left end last year ranked 32nd in the NFL with only 25 attempts. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they didn't run it around that side very much is because the run blocking at left tackle was not necessarily as good as it had to be. Yeah. Behind left tackle, they ran 41 plays for a 3.8 yard per carry average, which is not really what you want. You'd like it to be higher than that. And then around the end to the sideline, the average was actually 4.6. But again, they only ran 25 times out there, which must have meant they broke a few long ones, and that skewed the average. And to your point, Pro Football Focus, again, a third party. This is just their analysis. They have his run block and pass block grades equally in the negative. So they see issues with both sides of his game there, much like you do with your rushing stat. So just saying, you know. So folks, again, you know, and I and it's funny. I defend this guy because I simply want to be fair and factual. Those who just want to throw bow and arrows or shoot bow and arrows at him want to make him out to be the worst player in the league, and that's that's just not true. Okay. Um, first of all, good job, Dave Dominic. Five teams have made the playoffs of starting zero and three. The Buffalo Bills, the Detroit Lions, the San Diego Chargers, the Bucks, and the Jets. And these roster moves are official, Dave. We're good? You give me a thumbs up. This is official? Okay, I can now talk about this. The Giants have waived six players. Steven Baggett out of East Carolina. He was one of their undrafted free agent signees. So obviously mm-hmm. they must not have been too happy with this rookie minicamp. Here's a big surprise. Adam Biznavati, their draft pick last year, has been let go. Brandon Dixon, defensive back out of Northwest Missouri State. Byron Fields, cornerback out of Duke. He was another one of the um, undrafted phrases this Mm -hmm. year, right, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, C.J. Goodwin, defensive back out of California. And Derek Matthews, linebacker out of Houston. Well, the Giants have replaced those six players with six new guys that they like from rookie minicamp weekend. Mike Jones, defensive back out of Temple. Chris Lewis-Harris, defensive back out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Alonzo Russell, wide receiver out of Toledo. Chris Scott, guard out of Tennessee. Malcolm Bunch, I think that's how you pronounce it. Bunchy, B-U-N-C-H-E. I don't know. I don't know. Guard out of UCLA. And hey, one of my guys. I got one right. Mm-hmm. Robert Martin, running back out of Rutgers. So one of the guys that I thought looked decent made the team. So I'll, I'll take credit for that. So they, those, some, uh, those are some roster moves for you, Giant fans, off rookie minicamp. This weekend. Want to go back to the calls? Yeah, hey, we have an Eric Flowers go. call. Let's go to Jimmy in New York. Perfect timing. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, guys. How- Gentlemen, good afternoon. Hi, Hello. Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. Okay. Um, I, you guys kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Um, Sorry about I that. Been a, <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm obviously a New York Giants football fan and watching football for 40 years. Um, getting bored over the years of watching the skill possession guys, and I have found myself over the last three or three or four years watching the offensive linemen. Okay. And uh, first of all, I'm a first the Miami Hurricanes. I like when the Giants draft a Hurricane because I think the reputation coming out of that school is guys they they play with an attitude, uh, they play with a lot of pride. My skinny on the good and the bad of Eric Flowers from last year is very simple. I think he improved immensely as a pass blocker. I think his his technique improved immensely. What I noticed was he had two bad games last year. Detroit Lions, 
He got eaten alive. I think he gave up three sacks. Ziggy Ansah yeah. really did a job on him. Yes. Oh, he killed and then him. the second second poor game that that stood out to me was Ryan Kerrigan. He ate him up as well. Maybe not so much in the past. Uh, letting up sacks, but he had a few pressures that game. And you know, there was but one what? other one. I want to throw out one other one. I thought he had a little bit issues in the Chargers game, too, with Bosa and Ingram. I thought they gave him some issues in that contest, too, but that's just me. Yeah, I think there was a little stunt in there that he got he got fooled immensely, immensely. but the bottom line is, Bosa eats up a lot of guys. Sure. Ingram eats up a lot of guys. Sure. Uh, Kerrigan's eating up people every single weekend, and, and Detroit, they do a pretty good job as well. I think the guy improved immensely. I know pro football focus doesn't give you the entire skinny on it. And, yes, it's a good gauge of how a guy is doing, but it doesn't tell you the whole story. What bothered me about last year is the fact that as a run blocker, he had no issues coming out as a 21-year-old kid. He was eating up guys in the run game his, as, a, as a rookie. And what, what bothered me last year was, was the lack of effort in the running game. It almost it almost looked like to me, from what I seen, that he was like everybody abused him for his passing game, and he worked so hard on the on the passing game in the off season that he almost let his run game fall by the wayside. That is very perceptive of you because I absolutely agree that his pass blocking skills are are at at their height right now. As whatever you want to think that height is, I think he's gotten better as a pass blocker, and I agree with you. It seemed to me that his run blocking suffered, and I don't know why that is other than, you know what, he's just got to be better. Case closed. Uh, bless you. But, and here's the bottom line for what I see. Obviously, an attitude issue last year. There were many, many folks on the New York Giants football team that had attitude issues. Like, I always, uh, like anybody always said, you've got to get a cancer out of a locker room. Cancer, unfortunately, it spreads – it spreads like wildfire. And I got to believe this guy, I don't know if it's his contract year or not, is obviously it's his fourth year. There's got to be incentive for this guy to go out this year and put it all together. Oh, he has the incentive. If, now let's see if he can do it. <laughs> if, he doesn't, if he doesn't show up, because I've been, I've been in this guy's corner since day one. If he doesn't show up for this camp, I'm going to be highly disappointed. But I'm telling you right now, as a New York Giant football fan and as a guy who's been watching the game, for many, many years, I think this guy has the, the capability to put in the run game and the passing game. If he puts it all together, the guy can be a top – I'm not going to say he's a top five lineman in the league, but there's no way in the world why he can't be a top 20, 25% lineman in the league. And the bottom line is, what I'm telling you, I am very happy Rich Berg is gone, and I'm happy that Justin Pugh is gone. I had no issue with either of them. The only issue I have with Pugh – is that obviously he could not stay on the field. Richburg, as far as I'm concerned, he's not big enough to be a New York Giant offensive lineman. And no, you know what? Eric Flowers, the guy's 330 pounds. When he gets his hands on you and his technique is right, those guys, they stop in their tracks because there's no way when this guy gets his hands on you physically uh, and from a technique standpoint, he's too gosh darn strong. You ain't getting around him. Thank you, Jimmy. That's all I have to say. Appreciate it. I'm in Eric Flowers' corner. I think if he puts it together this year, the guy can have a monster year. Unfortunately, he's got to show up. He better show up. Thank you. Appreciate I'm to put him and Charlie in a room together and see who comes out alive. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, and, and, and just to your guys' points, because I know you guys do a pro football focus, whatever, whatever, what they're saying mimics what you guys are saying. Let me give you a couple numbers here, okay? Okay. First, the pass blocking. 
the way they work their grades, the number doesn't matter. But they have him as a negative 39 pass blocker as a rookie, minus 21 in his second year, minus 11 last year. So you're seeing improvement in the pass blocking as you go along. Run and, and mimicking the quarterback hurries. Gave up 47 quarterback hurries as a rookie, 50 in the second year, only 27 last year. So that number cut almost in half. Mm-hmm. Okay? So improvement. Again, not where you want to be, but improvement. Yep. Run blocking, on the other hand, rookie minus four, second year minus two, last year minus 12 on the run block. So the run blocking, they saw the same thing, that it took a step back. So, again, their metrics match what you saw with the eye test. Okay. Well, very good. I just uh, want to throw it out there for no, you. No, and that's fine. And, again, I, I never argue with their pure data. I do have a lot of trouble with their analysis and their grading system, but their pure data well, is, some, is something that a lot of NFL yeah. teams subscribe to. And, and I appreciate the fact that it does echo and reflect you know, what, what my eye test saw as well. I will tell you this, though, John. You know, with the, with the dearth of quality tackles in this league, and let's not kid ourselves. Oh, no. there, 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 there's a dearth. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. If, if you know that the cupboard or the shelf is bare, should you be always saying the grass is greener? No. Well, why do you think he's still on the roster? Okay. So, so as much as people may not like him or may understand that he needs to get better, you know, you may just have to, you know, gnaw your teeth a little bit and understand he may be your best option. Yeah, it's a different story if he's making $12 million. Then, obviously, you have a different conversation. He's on his rookie contract. You know what I mean? So, to me, he's it, not your franchise player. <laughs> he's not. No, and, and, and they already declined to pick up the fifth-year option. And, so. and he may be your best option at right, right tackle. And so and he might make be. And, the best of it. And maybe he's not. Maybe Chad Wheeler outplays him, and then Chad Wheeler should and start. And then he deserves the start. Absolutely. But you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. All right, a couple more calls before you say goodbye at 201-939-4513. Pete is in Staten Island. Pete, you're up next. Hey, guys. How are you today? What up, Hi. Pete? Uh, listen, uh, John, you never talked about the uh, lobster and how that worked out. I never heard anything more out of that. Oh, no. We had the lobsters on the show. Jeff Fields got one. He had the crate on the table. He took one out. It was oh, like clipping and clawing. I didn't hear about the cooking part and all that stuff. Oh, that, that, that's, that, that's because Jeff ate all the lobsters himself. I did not have a chance to eat the lobster. So you're going to have to have, ask Fields that question. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. He took it all. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, hey, Fields won the I bet. Mean, there were his lobsters. <laughs> he could do whatever he wants. No, no, no. Complaints out of me. Yeah, all right. You know, actually, I spoke to Jeff the other day because I was going to ask. I I did ask him actually if he was going to help out with the new punter this year at all, and he was telling me, Pete, the problem is half of these guys don't listen to me, and I can't figure that out. Why wouldn't you want to listen to a guy who was in the league for how long? Sixteen years, twenty years, yeah, more than that. You don't yeah. want to listen to him. That's unbelievable. Well, look, I, I I think Jeff's talking about some guys in the past. I'm sure he does not know Dixon. I don't think he's had and, a chance to talk And so to it him. would be unfair right. to automatically assume that Dixon would not, you know, be willing to listen to anything that Jeff had to say. Because, quite frankly, Jeff is around the facility a lot. He's part of our broadcast team. And he's yep. always willing to pass along any advice that he can. Well, in fairness, I don't really like talking to Jeff much either. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Funny. I wanted to talk about uh, another uh, offensive lineman that we signed, un- undrafted uh, free agent. His name is uh, Evan Brown, and and uh, this is a position. Yeah, I SMU center, very important here. Yeah, you know? but you know, but you know, uh, here's what I'll tell you about Evan Brown, and I and I did think that he did well in drills over the last couple of days. Um, he is he is a, sh- a short, stout 
undersized center. In <laughs> fact, that familiar? To, yes. <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest, he almost looks like a clone of Brett Jones. Um, 6-2-3-0-2, by the way. Yeah. Um, I did like his drill work. It looked clean. Um, he looks like he's got good power. He's got some fundamentals. Uh, he looks like he's, he's pretty agile. But here's my question for you. If if the Giants have right now Jalapio as the backup center, he's Jal- the number two center. Jalapio. Yep. At the moment, yes. <laughs> I've been corrected many times on that. That's I know. Well, reason. you know what? Right? I, 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 soybert, I used to call Soybert and Cyber. Paul, I called him Jalapio for 12 games last year. Right. I kept getting yelled at, so I'm just trying. It, it's so in my head yes. right now, I apologize. I no, no, it's that. cool. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the thing. The point about it is. He right now is the veteran backup center behind Brett Jones, and he's a bigger guy Mm -hmm. who also plays guard. So it just seems to me logically, unless an Evan Brown comes in and flat out beats him out, if it's close, Mm -hmm. you probably think you're going to go with the guy who's had experience and who's also played guard in this league, then you will an Evan Brown who I I just – I think he's probably better suited to the practice squad. That's just my take. Probably. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think this is just a position of need because we we, we kind of don't have a lot of um, depth at that, at that position. And I did read in a couple of spots where they actually uh, expected him to go somewhere between the fourth and seventh round, okay? I'm not saying there's anything special or anything at all. I, I'm just kind of thinking, there's a, you know, for depth purposes, practice squad, like you say, this is the guy we got to look at. And and as far as Nick Gates, I, honestly, I haven't done any film work on him. I really haven't. And actually, I'm going to my Evan Brown film work in about another hour. So when you get him. a chance, you, if you're going to go, no, hold on, hold on. Have a great if, if you're going to look at Nick Gates, um, go find his uh, game against Penn State. That's okay. the game where he played. I thought played the best this past year, and I was I was pretty satisfied with his technique. I I, I thought you know he he deserved the look. Watch him against Penn State. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. All right, final call of the show. By the way, um, just for reference, Dane Brugler has Evan Brown as one of his priority free agents. That's where he had him ranked on his list, and. No one's better than Dane at getting the guys that are at the bottom of He's the really uh, good at, that. At, at the draft ladder. Let's go to Richie in Long Island, our final call of the show. Richie, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, guys? Hello. Hey, so uh, I just haven't called in a couple of weeks. Uh, not trying to rehash a you know a okay. draft question, but had the uh, had Cleveland taken Barkley with the first pick, do you think Chubb would have been the second pick for the Giants? I don't know that for sure, but if I had to guess, my answer would be yes. Yeah. Paul, do you agree? Yeah, you know, I, I personally would have gone to Nelson, but I suspect they would have gone Chubb. And I would have picked Darnold yeah. no matter what, so that means we're all different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it seems like they were, you know, he was just willing, not really willing to um, trade the pick and just, uh, you know, go for his gut instinct. You well, know what I will yeah. say, though? Do you remember about a week before the draft, John gave me this these crazy scenarios about, hey, if you want Barkley, are you okay with Barkley and the offensive lineman in round two, or would you go the other way and you said to me get get maybe the running back in round two and take Nelson or Chubb in round one we were talking about the kind of mixtures Correct. I'm going to tell you right now for me it was a fantasy and the ultimate to get Barkley 
and Hernandez. Yep, you're right. One and two. And to by, me, it doesn't get better than that. And by the way, the fact that Michelle was off the board, because that, that was my second. That's the guy I liked. I liked Sony Michelle. That was the guy that you I wanted big to on top guys, around too. Two. I like Michelle Moore as your multidimensional okay. back. So if you would have told me, if I can go back in time and then see go the ahead. future, go ahead. that if I couldn't get Michelle but I could get Hernandez, I probably would have fallen on your side of the equation too. Yeah. I mean, you know, to me, the fantasy draft unfolded in yeah, rounds you know one what? and two. I really liked Ronald. I couldn't be happier. I really liked Ronald Jones, Paul, but the injury stuff at the end yeah. of the, in the pre-draft process scared me. Uh, apparently, there was enough off-the-field stuff with guys that scared teams away. Me and you obviously aren't privy to that type of information. And, right. you know, Nick, Nick Chubb, he didn't get me super excited. Michelle was a guy I really liked. And it turned out, by the way, that there weren't any great running backs left at the top of the third. And I thought Carry On Johnson might fall that far. I Not know. even close. They were all gone. So there was I, a run think, on those guys. I think it Get did. It? A run. I think they ended up doing the right <laughs> with, thing. With that kind of uh, line of thinking, though, um, I remember you guys said it. I think it was last week. But say uh, you know a running back that was taken a little bit later has a similar you know careers stat wise as Barkley does. Does that you know add to like an argument of oh maybe you know. Uh, they should have taken a, a running back later. No, um, because does I don't, that give like a valid point? I don't think you know for a fact that they would have a drafted that guy, or if he would have had the same success with the Giants. But look, the argument is you can find a running back later in drafts, and history has generally um, proven that point to be true. How this decision is going to be judged is very simple, and I don't care what Sam Donald does with the Jets. I don't. This matters with the Giants. Do they make a significant run with Eli Manning mm-hmm. as their starting quarterback, with Saquon Barkley as their running back? They don't have to win a Super Bowl because that's a really high bar and it's tough. But do they get to an NFC Championship game? Um, do they win 11 or 12 games in a year and have a home game in the second round of the playoffs? Those are the things to me that will determine whether or not this was a good move. And I think to a certain extent, how good is Davis Webb and Kyle Oletta? And you know, how quickly does Eli retire? Can those guys replace him? I think all those things kind of together is what determines whether or not this ends up being the right move down the road. Let, let me just give you one stat before we let you go and sign off for the day because I did the research on this, okay? Um, since the merger between the AFL and the NFL in 1970, and I don't think you really want to go back further than that because the merger is where the leagues combined, and so that to me is the most a uh, common point when you want to do some kind of historical study. Since the merger of 1970, if you break down guys taken in the top five picks of the draft, f- going into this draft, 47 quarterbacks, three Hall of Famers, 39 defensive ends, five Hall of Famers, 35 running backs, seven Hall of Famers, three guards, one Hall of Famer. I mean, the percentage of success of guys taken in the top five who wound up in the Hall of Fame, the running backs, is that's that's your winner. That's your winner. So, yeah, so Oh, that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, but at the same time, we had the high, you know, highest you know, bust rate just, for uh, running backs, too, of any position in the top ten. It's a more hit or miss situation. Right. But when you hit, your running back is your best bet, and that's fact. Those, those, are, num- those are the real numbers. That's not a subjective thing. That's fact. Just a, a quick thing with the um, linebackers, uh, just to shift really quick. Uh, besides Ogletree, is there any other ones that are you know somewhat decent in pass coverage? That's the trick. You have to, and, and thanks a lot for the call, Richie. You have to find thanks. that second 
linebacker that's going to cover with Ogletree. And you know, I think Goodson that's showed thing. some signs of being able to do that last year. I need to see more. And I don't blame you. I need to see him more on the field first before I can even see him in coverage. Again, I'd like to see those numbers with like Pro Bowls and All Pros and stuff like that. I so. just went to the Hall of Fame because we were talking Golden Jacket. Right. So I said, okay, let's figure it out. And the running back percentage of guys taken in the top five picks, the running back percentage was the best of any of those positions. Just good, saying. Good stuff, Paul. All right. All right, we're back with you tomorrow on Giants.com as our conversation continues. We'll see you then. Thanks to the chairman. We'll see you next time, everybody.